Isaiah 6, 3 through 8. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to your people, Keep on hearing but do not understand, keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Amen. You can be seated. That's a powerful picture, what we just sang about. The holiness of the Lord, his power, his majesty, and our, the reality of our sin and our brokenness. And when those two things meet, God doesn't come to our sin and brokenness and go, man, never mind. I thought I had somebody that could go. He cleanses us, he purifies us, and then he calls us into his purposes for our lives. It's a powerful picture. And this is gonna be, this morning, it's gonna be a little bit of a unique Sunday. Uh, we are going to get to our Sermon on the Mount series next week, but we've got uh, some uniqueness that's gonna happen today. And before we get into it, I just wanna tell you ahead of time, just where I believe that the Lord is, uh, is taking us this morning, I want you to be listening uh, for it. It's already a theme that has popped up, but listen, God's love for you and his pursuit of you and I in the midst of our sin, maybe in the midst of our wandering, wherever we are, his pursuit is relentless. And he keeps coming after us to tell us of who he is, who we are in him, and to call us into his purposes for our lives. That's the first thing I want you listening for this morning. The second thing I want you listening for this morning is a challenge to trust God. When he says, who will go for me? He's calling you and I into his work. And I wanna challenge you this morning to listen for how God might be calling you to step out in obedience and to go with him where it is that he is leading and taking you. But in order to get to those places this morning, I've gotta start out by sharing some news with you. Uh, it's exciting news. And if you're, let me also say, if you are uh, brand new with us this morning, just this is an odd morning for us. You just hang in there. Uh, I think you'll get a window into how this family works here in just a moment. But uh, this is exciting news. At the same time, uh, for many of us, this is gonna be, uh, this is gonna be hard news. But last Sunday, 
uh, in a little community uh, called North Zulch. Anybody raise your hand if you know North Zulch? It's right in between uh, Bryan College Station and Madisonville. And if you're a Texan, what that means is west of Bucky's. okay? So uh, that's, that's where it is. Uh, but last Sunday there in that uh, community, uh, our discipleship pastor, Matt Murray, uh, preached in First Baptist Church, North Zulch, in view of a call to become their lead pastor. And that church made the best decision that that church has ever made, in my view, uh, and they've called Matt to be their next uh, lead pastor. Yeah, it's really exciting, yeah. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you may have seen this moment of staff transition. But I wanna tell you, as far as I'm concerned, this is uh, one of the, the healthiest, uh, most exciting uh, moments of transition that I've ever been a part of. It's been truly, truly, truly unique, and I wanna bring you in on that. Uh, Matt invited myself and our elders into this, uh, into this journey before there was a, de a destination, before there was a, a North Zolch or a resume sent, Matt came to us and just said, here's what I believe that the Lord is asking of me to step into uh, this place. And he brought us in and allowed us to be uh, encouragers and, and people that got to, as a family, stand alongside him and with him and be uh, helpers in the discerning uh, process. And he, he just shared with us the conviction on his heart and allowed us to do this uh, together, which was really, really, really special. Uh, Fredonia Hill, you, all of us, have played uh, over the last eight or nine years, have played a major role in God uh, doing in Matt's life what he has called for him to do. There has been so much growth and change um, and encouragement and equipping that has happened uh, here. And I, I couldn't help in this moment to think about what our vision statement is. What do we say? And we say it every single Sunday that we wanna be a church where all people can discover and follow Jesus right where they are and what's the end? And wherever they are sent, right? And that's the same for any of us. That's the same for every single one of us. We wanna be open-handed to how it is that God wants to call and equip and send us and use us. And it may look different for every one of us, but the call to follow him is the same. And because of the way that this has all happened, you and I get the exciting job of continuing to play a role of support and encouragement in the work that God has called uh, Matt to do. We get to uh, come alongside this church and, and see them grow and see them be effective in uh, the call that God has on their lives in that, in that community. And that's really, really, really exciting. But I don't wanna tell the story. It's a powerful story of an encounter with God. Of a, it's an Isaiah story of meeting with God and God sending and obedience and the call to follow. And it's not my story to tell, it's Matt's. And so I'm gonna invite Matt this morning to come and to share with you all that God has done in his life in leading him to this point. Uh, and I think you'll be challenged. Don't forget what I said at the beginning. Listen for those things because this is not a story about a transition. This is a story about what God is doing in Matt's life, but also a story about what God is doing in every single one of our lives that we need to be paying attention to. Matt, would you come and share? Thanks. Whew, well, good morning. So I know that uh, that news may come of a shock to most of you in this room, uh, but I just want to, to take a step back and <clears throat> share my story. It's exciting 
let you know the entirety of how this all came up. And I had to make notes so I could get this right because I'm nervous this morning, right? So as most of you know, um, I went uh, back in May. The church was so gracious uh, to give uh, myself a sabbatical, to give me a sabbatical. And uh, man, it's, it was such a neat time. I'll just say this, you know, 15 years of full-time ministry to that point uh, and never ever stopping and truly resting and getting away. You know, throughout the years, you take vacations here and there and you go away, but the phone still rings and things still happen and there's still things on your mind you think through. But I'll say for the first time in 15 years, I, when I went away for sabbatical, I truly got to, and I was telling Kendall this leading up to it, I said, it's kind of like I'm viewing it as an airplane. You're circling the landing uh, strip, you're getting your wheels down, all the gears are checking, everything, you touch down. And when I touched down, when that plane touched down, I flipped all the gauges off, I got out of the cockpit and I walked away. I sat down uh, and we, we, let, we, let, we turned everything off, we got out of the plane and immediately what we did actually, we're talking about super immediately, that Thursday was my last day in the office, May 12th, and we hit the road that afternoon to go to Florida. Like we didn't waste time, we're like we got seven weeks, let's capitalize on this thing, so we hit the road for Florida. And I'll just say, I'll, I'll admit, I had some bucket list things I wanted to do. Uh, and we made an appointment on Friday at four o'clock to go tour Florida State University and all their sports, their, their fields and their, all the things. And I'm like, we gotta get there by four. So we gotta hit the road running, honey, let's go. So we threw the kids in the car and we headed out. But really we went to Florida uh, for the first, I don't know, about two weeks total. And we went and spent time with family and, and, and stayed at the beach, relaxed at the beach and all those different things. And my encounter with the Lord happened 10 days into my sabbatical. It was uh, May 23rd, and the Lord comes when he wants to come at 3.23 a.m. <laughs> weird. I'm like, come on, God, really? Like, that's weird, right? So there I am. Uh, we're at the beach in Fort Walton Beach, uh, Florida. I'm with my, my family and my in-laws were there with us, and we're spending our time there, and the Lord woke me up. He gave me a really, really weird dream. I don't know if you ever have weird dreams. I had a weird dream. My dream that moment, I was dead asleep in the night and we're sleeping and uh, I, was, I was a worship assistant at a local church. And I'm like, why am I a worship assistant? What is that? Even? They heard me sing, like, what's that all about? I don't know. Uh, but I go in and my first day there, we're standing around with the team. I got one of my children there and my child is acting up. Everybody's kind of glaring at me and looking at me weird. And I'm, this is all in a dream, I'm reminding you, okay? They're looking at me and giving me these weird looks. I'm like, come on, calm down, calm down, calm down. Well, finally, uh, we leave. And the next day I come into work. This is my second day at this local church and they won't let me in the building. And I'm going, what do you mean? Like, you just hired me. Why can't I get in the building? He said, we know that you posted all these pictures around the campus. I'm like, I didn't post any pictures around. The what are you talking about? We know you did this because your kid was acting up yesterday. It's gotta be you. It's, this is your fault. All this accusation in the dream. And finally, I just said, okay, fine. I, did, I posted the pictures. I was admitting to something I didn't do. And they said, come on in. You're good. Come on in. Welcome back, right? And so it was like the weirdest thing. I woke up thinking, what in the world was that? I'm at the beach, I'm on sabbatical. Why am I a worship assistant? Why am my kid posted? Why are we doing this whole thing? What is this all about? I get up, I use the restroom, I get back in bed and I'm trying to go back to sleep. And this is where I'll say the encounter with the Lord happened. The first part was a dream. Maybe it was like bad food the night before. I don't know what it was, right? But at this point, I'm laying there trying to go to sleep and I had this, I'll call it a vision. I had a vision with the Lord. I don't use that term lightly. I don't really use that term hardly ever at all. But I'm laying there trying to go to sleep and in my mind's eye, an unknown child stands before me. And the child says, is there an ocean we don't know or a sea we do not see? So I open my eyes and I'm like, 
what is going on? I grab my phone, it's 3.23, pitch dark in the room, Megan's asleep next to me, I start just writing the whole thing. The dream, the vision, the statement, everything. Wake up the next morning, tell my family, we're sitting around eating breakfast, I'm like, I had a really weird dream and vision last night, and I tell them, they're all like, you're crazy, like, what, is, what are you doing? Like, what does that even mean? I said, I don't know, it was this redundant ocean we don't know, sea we do not see, I don't know what this is all about. But I do know something, and the thing I knew in that moment was the child standing in front of me, the unknown child in that vision was representative of the the triune nature of God. And I knew that because of the phrase, we. Is there an ocean we do not know and a sea we do not see? And I thought all the way back to Genesis when it was talking about let us make man in our image and the triune nature of God and that terminology, and I knew, I said, I know that it was the Lord. As weird as that sounds because of that word, we. And I said, I also have this weird feeling that it's something to do with identity. And I don't know why, I said there was this weird accusation in the first part of that with the whole grace, the whole, you know, that whole moment there in that that situation and and, and that, that, that moment where they let me come in, there was accusation, there was love. And I'll just say for the rest of the time, I spent lots of time at the beach. And for the rest of that time, we were there just contemplating. But up to that point, I was thinking about the waves, looking at the ocean, seeing the waves come in, thinking this is symbolic of God's love. Wave after wave, God's love never stops. There's not a point where the ocean ever stops coming in. The waves just keep coming. I thought that's symbolic of God's love in our lives. It never stops washing over us. You can never outdo God's love for your life. And I had known that. And so I knew there's something with the sea and the ocean and the depth of God's love. There's accusation. There's all of these things. So I want to fast forward now. So we spent the rest of our time uh, at, the, at Fort Walton trying to figure this thing out. I'm going, what, God, what is this? I'm just going to lay this at your feet. And I don't know what that means. So I always thought when God showed up, he'd show up in moments of like, oh. You know, and there's like a shining light as clear as day. You can't miss it. And I'm like 323, the whole thing's weird. So about a week later, I go in my time of solitude. I'm going to Port Lavaca um, to spend three days by myself in a little teeny tiny camper right at the bay in the ocean. And we're there. I'm there. But as I'm driving, I made this decision before I even got in the car. I said, you know what, Lord? I'm just trying to figure out what, what you're wanting to do here. This is a time for me and you to connect. That's it. So as I get in the, the car to drive, I'm going to listen to worship music only. I have a lot of really great playlists on my phone, but I said, I'm gonna go to the Apple worship playlist and I'm gonna hit play and I'm not gonna skip a song. I'm not gonna look for my favorite songs. I'm just gonna hit play and let, let it be, what it be what it is. And so as I hit play, it started playing. In the first 20 to 30 minutes in that car on the way down there to the beach, the theme that kept repeating itself in every single song, and some of the songs I knew and some of the songs I didn't know, but there was a repetitive theme of this word, fear. Fear, fear kept coming up in every single song. And I'm going, okay, Lord, are you wanting to talk to me about something to do with fear? There's accusation, there's love, there's fear, all these things, what is this about? And the Lord said, you know what you're afraid of. You know what you're afraid of. You you know you're afraid of the unknown and you're afraid of uh, fear of man. And you know that you're running from a call because of fear. And I'm going, man, this is just, this has to be just me in my head talking. So I wanna flash back to 10 years ago in my life. And I gave you a few breadcrumbs a few weeks ago and I was preaching up here a few weeks ago about a situation that happened at a former church of mine. And I got there on staff a few months in, our pastor abruptly retired. I was the only pastor on staff. I was leading the church. I was doing all the pastoral ministry naturally. I stepped up and was doing all of that assumed all the pastoral roles. And I'll just say at that point, I never felt more alive than I was at that point. 
doing those things and just being in that position and all that. And, and I really spent a lot of time praying and seeking counsel and just wrestling with God. Like, God, is this something I need to explore or go after? I don't really know. And after a lot of prayer and counsel and just spending time with the Lord, I felt the Lord say, I want you to just go ahead and put yourself out there. And so I went to the church and I put my name in the hat. I went to the team. I said, hey, I don't know what you're looking for, but I would be, if it's something, if there's anything I can do to be a part of this process, I'm really feeling like God's asking me to do this. And I'll just say in that moment, it was met with extreme opposition. In that moment, by an individual on the search team. And it was a trusted source, a source that was very close to me, a source that had kind of taken me under their wing. And I looked up to and had a lot of respect for, and that source turned on me and there was extreme opposition in that moment. The Saturday night, I was actually preaching through a series at that time, and the Saturday night before I was gonna preach, I talked to them on a Wednesday. Saturday night, he calls me to his house, says, I've got some things to say to you, and he began to tell me over the next hour and a half, accuse me of things such as trying to split the church, trying to cause division. I was being used by Satan. I was being blinded. My pride was in the way, all these type of things. I wasn't worthy of the pulpit. I was given an ultimatum. If you even step on stage tomorrow and you don't stand up and admit you're wrong, trying to cause this division, if you step on stage, I'll make sure your bags are packed. That's what was said to me. And I'll just say, it crushed me. It crushed me. It crushed my wife. It was a very dark few days. Did exactly what was told of me and the church did not rally around me. It was very, very hurtful in that moment. It was very, very, very hard. And after that, I began to say, God, was that really you? Were you really wanting me to do that? Did you really want me to put my name out there, to, to, to go out on the limb, to say, here I am? Did you really want me to do that? Or I thought that was you. And I began to wrestle with doubt and insecurity and fear because of the things that were said to me. And so what did I do? I went back into my shell. I began to keep doing student ministry, which what I was doing. I said, fine, I'll just go do my job. I'll love on the students, what I knew to do in that moment. So two years later, we, we persevered for two years and then we came here. We got a call to come for, to Fredonia Hill. And we arrived here and uh, we came here to do student ministry. And I'll just say, man, it was great. We came in doing student ministry. It was a great time for us to heal, to pick up the pieces, to gain some confidence back, to get back on our feet. And about three years into student ministry, I started just kind of wrestling with that call again. Because once again, I felt like God asked me to do that before, but it was met with opposition. So I went back into my shell. I began to heal, began to do things about three years in, start wrestling, feeling like I need to do something with that wrestling game. I'm unsure. God, what does this even look like? So I, we, then we, we created the position for me to be family pastor here. It was great working with high school and through middle school and, and, and elementary and nursery and all that. It was great. There was so much excitement but about three years into that, what happens? I start wrestling again. There's just something that just doesn't seem right. I was driving around the loop in Nacogdoches listening to a leadership podcast one afternoon. And I heard a pastor talk about this very wrestling, this call. And he said these words on the podcast. He said, it came to the point where I realized I was just managing systems and I wasn't pastoring people. And as he said that, my heart starts racing out of my chest. I'm like, that's exactly how I feel in this moment. So I came in, began to talk to Kendall. I began to talk to him about this and we created this role as discipleship pastor. And then what happened, COVID hits and everything shuts down and everything that I was in, supposed to do, we just disband all those things for a season of time. And, but coming out of COVID, man, there was so much excitement. We're getting back, we're meeting again, we're doing things. The church is growing and things are happening and God is at work. 
And for me, in my role, there was so much comfort and security and just, man, this is so wonderful and so great. And then I got to my sabbatical, and what did I do? I shut all of that down. I got out of the plane, and I began to get alone with the Lord. And the last thing, I'll just say, the last thing I thought that would ever happen, 10 days into my sabbatical at 323 in Fort Walton Beach, would God would show up through an unknown child and speak those things over me. But what happened? God had my undivided attention. And it's like almost as if he was saying, Matt, are you listening to me? Matt, are you listening? So fast forward, let's get back in the car. We're going to Port Lavaca. We're listening to worship music. We're thinking about all these things, all those images, all those things in my past are coming up. There's fear there. And God begins to deal with me about the fear. God begins to, to pull this fear and all the running and all the pain and all those things I had experienced so many years ago. And the thing that I began to understand in that moment was that what had happened over the last 10 years was every time I would tell that story, that the experience I had and the way I was hurt and crushed and accused and all those things, God began to speak to me saying, Matt, it's almost as if every time you've told that story to somebody, you're trying to help them shoulder the pain with you, shoulder that experience. And I realized that as I would tell somebody that story, they'd kind of be like, man, that's, I'm so sorry. That's so hard. I feel bad for you. And that was it. Like, I'm like, really? Like, you can't experience that? But I felt God say in that moment, Matt, you need to stop trying to let others shoulder that for you. And you need to give it to me. The only one who can actually understand your pain is me. You've got to give me that experience to stop carrying that experience and that pain with you. And I felt like in that moment, God just said, the only one to take your pain and take this experience is me. You've got to give it to me and let me have it and don't look back. It's funny because 10 years ago when that all went down, I journaled that very situation in this journal. I was writing that. I was, this was a source for me to, to vent and to, to, to just let things out and to just wrestle with the Lord about the very experience. I detailed the experience, things that were said, the timing and all of that. I had that tucked away in this journal. This journal is full of so many wonderful ministry experiences. I've wrote down every time I've got to lead somebody to the Lord or, or, or conduct a funeral or baptize somebody, all of those things over the last 10 years. This is, a, this is so much gold for me just to look back and encourage. There's so many prayers in here, praying for my children, my unborn children. But tucked away in the midst of all this goodness was those few little pages with so much pain and heartache. And this thing sat in my desk right next to me every single day for 10 years. And ironically, I took this with me on my sabbatical because I was like, this has got so much good stuff in it. God, I just wanna look back and celebrate. Oh, by the way, I'm reminded of what's right there in the middle. And God said in that moment by myself in the car, you need to rip that out of that journal Give it to me, stop carrying that pain and release it. And he's like, I'm thinking, okay, God, it's a, there's a sea. I'm going back to the sea. I've got this. I burn it. Do I toss this into the sea? And so I had to call my dad. I'm like, dad, here's what I'm processing. Am I crazy? He's like, I think you know what you need to do. You need to rip that out and burn it and let it go. And so the next morning I woke up, Port Lavaca, Texas, by myself, pulled those pages out, wrinkled them up, threw them in a bucket, lit it on fire, walked down to the shore and threw it in the ocean and said, God, I'm giving it to you. And I watched his love wash over that and carry those ashes as far as the east is from the west. 
And as I did that, I walked away. I was the guy taking pictures of everything. I'm a guy, I'm that guy. I like to document everything. And Megan's like, put your phone away. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking pictures. So that moment I set the phone up and I videoed that. And as I turned around, I said, God, I don't want to live my life in fear. I want to walk in faith. And I let, there was just a, a weight that was immediately lifted off my shoulders in that moment. A couple days later, we go, we're at Houston. We go to her, Megan's home church. It's the first time we've been in church on my sabbatical, by the way. That's terrible to me. It's like three weeks in. And my first Sunday back in church, it's terrible. Lord, forgive me for that, right? But we walk in. Now, this is important. We walk in the very first Sunday. We sit down. We're a guest in this church. The pastor gets up that Sunday, and he's like, all right, guys, we're starting a brand new series today. Guess what it's called? Runaway. We're going to talk about Jonah running from his call. <laughs> I lean forward. I look at Megan. We're making eyes at each other going, seriously? Like, and he gets up and he starts talking. And he says, hey, listen, some of you are here. We're all running from something. But here's the bottom line is that God pursues runners. Boom. I'm like, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. I knew exactly what was happening. That God had continued to pursue me over the next, over that 10 years from that hurt and that pain all the way till that moment. God had never stopped pursuing me. His love, once again, never stopped washing over me. His call never stopped. There'd been moments along the years where there's a little flicker of light and I would start to wrestle and then you know, fear would creep in and I would just extinguish the light, but it never would go away. And over the next four weeks, so we visited that church that Sunday. The next four weeks, we visited four different churches. And every single Sunday, I promised you, it was like they knew each other's playbook. I'm like, y'all have been talking to each other. This is four different or five different churches in different cities. And every single week, it's like, are you giving God your yes? Are you using your giftings? Are you, are you serving this way? Are you doing this thing? There's so many correlations. And every week, it's like God was talking right to me. So we get back. Sabbatical's coming to an end. To get back July 5th, my first day back in the office, I'm thinking, God, yeah, you did great things, but I will deal with that call in about a year or two. Things are great at the church. We've got so much work to do. I've been gone for seven weeks. There's things I'm sure waiting for me. We gotta get back in and keep charging after what you're doing here at Fredonia Hill. I get in the office. It's a short week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those three days, I was in turmoil. I was just like, I just can't do this. I told Megan, I came home Thursday and said, I can't go on like this anymore. I've got to start talking about this again. So that following Monday, I came in, I talked with Kendall, and that was one of the beautiful things that he already mentioned, man. We began this open dialogue. It's one of the things I hate about ministry is it all becomes so secretive. I said, I don't want it to be that way. So we began to have this dialogue, and I just told him, Kendall, I don't know what this means, but this is what God's done, and I'm putting my yes on the table. And he assured me this was a safe place to do that, and we were going to work through this together, and we were going to just see what God had, and it was so different. Let me say it was so different from the very first time I spoke that call. The very first time 10 years ago, I spoke a call out into existence and it was met with opposition and I was crushed. And in this moment, the Lord redeemed that. And it was such a beautiful picture. And Kendall and I, we shared a moment there. We just had a moment together in his office and we, just, we were just celebrating God's goodness in this. He was so supportive and so affirmative in that moment. And I'll just say there's been so many things along the way where God's continued to say, if you're gonna give me your yes, I'm gonna open a door. And doors have continued to fly open. I'll just say, more rapidly than I thought they would. Kind of like, let me get through this door before you open the next one, God. Like, come on now. Like, I gotta start running after this thing, right? But God never stops pursuing runners. 
He never stops his pursuit of us. And I'll just say, church, man, for me to stand before you today, this, this place is special. Fredonia Hill for the last eight years has been home for us. And this place has been amazing. And we, we're, we're, gonna miss, we're gonna miss each one of you. You guys are an amazing, amazing church family. I told Kendall, I said, the church, Fredonia Hill has set the bar very high for the next church. Because this church family has been so crucial to us all along the way. It's been a special place, a place to learn and grow, a place to, a place to heal, a place to experience God's goodness and to wrestle this call. But we also know that God has great things ahead, both for Fredonia Hill and for First Baptist North Zulch, and we're excited to be a part of that journey. So church, I just wanna ask you in this time, would you just commit to pray for us as we begin this transition? I'll admit, I'm still nervous and afraid and fearful, but I know that I'm not going at this alone. I know that God has gone before us and he's gonna be with us through this process. I just encourage you, would you pray for our family in this time? guys can be seated. <laughs> I know that there are probably many questions about logistics, and I'm going to give you those now so that we can focus on what's really happening, all right? Uh, Matt's last Sunday is going to be October the 9th. I know that's quick, and that's not because I'm shooing him out, so I don't want that email, all right? Uh, that's because uh, the work in North Zolch uh, is ready for Matt's attention. Uh, they are ready to go. They need somebody to come in and to begin to steer the ship. They gotta get boots on the ground uh, quickly. And so they've asked uh, for us to, to help make that process as, uh, as quick and as urgent as possible. They actually asked us for the day after he preached in view of a call and we said, no, actually we need to tell our church and then like we got so. Uh, so October the 9th will be Matt's last Sunday. On that day, we're gonna have a, we're gonna celebrate like Baptists do. We're gonna have a potluck. Um, yeah, and uh, so we're gonna pray uh, for Matt and his family. They'll be here at the close of our service up at the front here. We, our elders will lay hands on them and pray and send them. You'll be part of that. Um, and then we'll go and eat and, uh, and celebrate with them. We'll also uh, have a business meeting on that day, but uh, bring your potluck stuff. Let's, we'll have a big party uh, on the 9th. Uh, that's the logistics, all right? But, but hang on. Don't miss what you heard today. Because it would be easy to walk out of here and go, man, I heard a story about a pastor who got called by God and went, and it was a really great story. That's not what's happening today. That's certainly one of the things that's going on, and I am so grateful to the Lord for Matt Murray, for who he is, for his honesty, for his transparency and all this, and for him allowing the vulnerability to allow every single one of us into this story, I think has allowed the Lord to then use it now to speak to each one of us. We've been talking for weeks now in the Sermon on the Mount about God's kingdom about the, the way that Jesus has said, our hearts weren't meant to be divided. We weren't meant to pursue two things. And we closed last week 
with Jesus telling us, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And if you're anything like me, if you're anything like Matt, many of us hear that call to single-minded devotion to God and his kingdom and we immediately disqualify ourselves. We immediately go, oh yeah, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I'm not qualified for that. I can't, there's no way I can do it. You don't, you, you don't know my story, my weaknesses. You don't know what others have said about me, the criticisms that I have faced. There's no way that I could come and pursue God's kingdom in that way. But what we've just heard is that there is no ocean that we do not know, nor see we do not see. God knows all that. God knows all of your past. He knows all of your failures. He knows all of your pain. He knows everything that's been said to you and all the reasons why you think you can. And yet he keeps coming with his mercy and his love and his grace washing over all of that and saying, no, but despite all of that, you are mine and I've called you to myself. Will you trust me? That's Matt's story, but that is every single one of our stories in this room. And so our invitation this morning is twofold. It's two parts. And the first is, I wanna invite you to stand at the edge of the water with Matt. I wanna just take yourself to that moment. Just stand at the edge of the water with your hands full of all the reasons why God may or may not could use you. Just put your story, whatever was in your journal, tear it up, put it in your hands. And I wanna invite you this morning to just toss it in the sea. I wanna invite you this morning to throw that into the water and let God's love let his mercy and his forgiveness wash over all that endless ocean of who God is, wash over all the reasons why you think not you. The second part is I want you to join Matt in going, not to North Zolch. <laughs> I want you to join him in going wherever it is that God's asking you to go. See, for Matt, it's, would you, would you go with me and let me use this call in your life? And I wanna use it in North Zulch. I don't know what it is for you. Some of you are already where God has called you to be, but you're so holding on to the, all the reasons why you're not being used in the place where God's called you. You're already there. You're already in North Zulch. Turn loose of the reasons why you can't be used and let him use you. For others of us, we've been so afraid to go that maybe this morning is a time to go. And it's, it's probably not. For 99.9% .9 of us in this room, it's not a change of your, of your address. But it's the way that you see all the places that God brings you every single day, every single week in your community, in your home, the place you work, the, place, the circles you run in, the, the sports that your kids are involved in. All those places are places for you to go. Will you go with his name on your lips? That's the invitation this morning. And maybe for you, you need to, to, to throw something into the sea. You need to come up here to the front of these steps and you need to just put it here and leave it here. If that's what it looks like for you to respond to the Lord this morning, then this uh, area at the steps is wide open to you. If you need to come here and this is the place where you need to give God your yes, I love that phrase. Give God your yes and do that. If you need to pray with somebody next to you, if they're a stranger, introduce yourself first and then ask them to pray with you. If you wanna pray with, with any of our prayer partners, we're gonna be right out these double doors and would be happy to pray with you in whatever it is that God uh, is doing. In, in the days leading up to October 9th, man, let's just shower Matt and Megan with encouragement and with prayer. You may have never met them before, but would you intercede 
on their behalf uh, beginning now and, and every time they come to your mind. And, uh, and I, would, I would so covet you holding them in your, uh, in your prayers over these next weeks as they've got a lot to do to transition. But I don't want you to miss how the Lord might be speaking to you this morning. I wanna invite you to stand and I've asked Matt to pray over us. It's a powerful thing to pray over somebody, in, into somebody, the things that God has done in your life. That God has done an incredible work in Matt's life. And I want every one of us, myself included, to experience that very same thing. So I've just asked Matt to pray uh, over us, to intercede for us, that we too might, might let go of all of our excuses and might chase after the Lord wherever he's called us. Matt's gonna pray. We're gonna sing Oceans which is just because we need to. <laughs> and then we'll be dismissed. Matt, would you pray? Well, Father, uh, God, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you as we sang earlier, God, that uh, your mercy is far greater than anything we could ever do, any depth we could ever run, anything we could ever think or imagine, God, that your love, your precious love that was displayed for us on the rugged cross of Calvary, that it washes over us. And God, I don't know what else you're doing in this room this morning, God, but I know without doubt, God, that you are moving and you are active. There are hearts that have been stirred today, God. And I just pray that we would just continue collectively as a body to say yes, God, that would, would you just continue to do a mighty work in Fredonia Hill, in this body, in this community of Nacogdoches and the surrounding areas. Thank you for each and every one that make up this unique body here at this church, pursuing you, locking arms together, seeing your kingdom grow and expand. Nacogdoches. And God, I just thank you personally. I was just thinking that, that Fredonia Hill, one of the first things I heard when I came here is Fredonia Hill means freedom. God, I thank you for the freedom that this place has brought in my life. More importantly, God, the, the freedom that has come through you. And I just pray today would be a day of us opening our hands, relinquishing control and telling you yes to whatever you have. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.